0: Well, today we are going to conclude our series called Red. How many of you enjoyed this series called Red? Well, a few of you have. The rest of you, I'm sorry. Amen. Hey, we named this series after the red letters in the Bible, which are the words of Jesus. I, I call these words of hope. How many ever needed some words of hope? Well, today our subject is hope for our identity Crisis. Hope for our identity crisis. Here's the problem. The problem is everyone is born an original. Most die a carbon copy. Here's what we need to understand today, and that is our uniqueness is our greatest value. I want you to get a hold of that this morning. Our uniqueness is our greatest value value? Why do we try so hard to fit in when we should be trying to stand out? And if we would understand that our uniqueness is our greatest value, our uniqueness is our greatest asset. Well, at some point in time in life, most people experience an identity crisis. Might be as a child, might be as a teenager, might be as a young adult. For others, it happens later in life. The good news is there's hope For our identity crisis. I want us to read some scripture to get us started today. We're going to read in the book of Matthew chapter number 16. Matthew chapter number 16. And we're going to start reading with verse number 13. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist. Some Elijah And others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and he said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men." I want to make four statements today that relate to our subject. And the first statement that I want to make this morning is this, and that is, who we are is not always who people think we are. Who we are is not always who people think we are. See, see people make false assumptions about us. People make false assumptions about us. This has happened to me many times because of my position Uh, As pastor, there have been people who have had a bad or a negative experience with a former pastor. So so based on their past experience, they think that I am like that person, that I will act and react like they did. Or maybe they had a good experience with a former pastor. And and so they assume that I'm going to be the exact duplicate of that beloved pastor pastor. People make false assumptions about us, both good and bad. Who we are is not always who people think we are. Uh, This even happened to Jesus. Uh, In verses 13 and 14 that we read, Jesus asked the question, he asked, he said, who do people say that I am? Notice Jesus didn't say, hey, who am I? No, Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And they answered him. They said, well, some are saying you're John the Baptist. And some are saying you're Elijah. And others are saying you're Jeremiah or you're some other prophet. See, who we are is not always who people think we are. Not only do people make false assumptions about us, but people attach unfair labels on us. They attach unfair labels on us. We pass judgment on people far too quickly. Would you agree? Somebody needs to help me a little bit this morning, please. I said we pass judgment on people far too quickly. You know, you know, we look at how they're dressed, or, or we see one single post that they make, or it's because of the buzzwords that they do or don't say, we size them up and we attach a label on them. Uh, you know, maybe we see somebody having a bad day and they're reacting poorly to it, and so we label them according to this one single experience that we've had with them. People attach unfair labels on us sometimes I've told you about the time a man came up to me I'll never forget I was standing at the graveside of a gentleman that had passed away and and a man came up to me and stood by me and he said to me after the end of the service he said he said I need to apologize to you and I said to to me sir you need to apologize to me why would you need to apologize to me we don't even know each other Well, he said, I was told something about you five years ago. And he said, I have hated you for five years. But he said, I have watched you from afar and you are nothing like what I was told you were. Please forgive me for listening to a lie. See, someone had placed an unfair label on me and had assumed it was accurate. Who we are is not always who people think we are. Second statement I'd like to make this morning, and that is who we are is not always who people want us to be. Who we are is not always who people want us to be. Let's read verses 21 and 22 again. It says that from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. He must suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, that he must be killed and be raised the third day. Verse 22, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him and said, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. See, who we are is not always who people want us to be. Peter didn't like God's plan for Jesus. He didn't like the way that Jesus said it was going to go down. He didn't want to hear about suffering. He was thinking about Jesus setting up an earthly kingdom. He was thinking about him being in who's who and and being right there with Jesus. He didn't want to hear about suffering and he certainly didn't want to hear about Jesus dying. Peter had a whole other plan for Jesus. Here's what I've learned, and that is people want us to serve their agenda. People want us to serve their agenda. People fashion a mold for us. This mold is based on their past. It's based on their prejudices. It's based on their preferences. And as long as we fit neatly into their little mold that they have molded and made for us, all is well. The problem comes when, when who we really are doesn't fit into their mold. My wife and I got married when we were 17 years old. 17, just teenagers. Teenagers. And, and, and we, were, we began pastoring immediately. We were pastoring a church when we were 17 years old. I don't recommend it. It's a miracle we're still married. And, and, and June the 17th, it will be 47 years. It's a miracle. Hey, it's a miracle we're still married. It's an even bigger miracle that I'm still alive. <laughs> see, see, I married a teenager in miniskirts and go-go boots. And I took that teenager in miniskirts and go-go boots and I turned her into a grandma. Literally, literally. Now I'm trying to get her back into miniskirts and go-go boots. (laughs) Who we are is not always who people want us to be. I wanted her to fit a mold. I wanted her to play a role. People want us to serve their agenda. And people want us to adapt to their way of thinking. See, people have an opinion on just about every subject. And here's what I've discovered every generation has a different opinion. Doesn't make it right or wrong, it just is. It just is. Several years ago when I was pastoring in another city, I had someone of a certain generation come up to me and they said to me in the lobby, they said, pastor, they said, if you'll start doing X, Y, Z in the church, more people will come. When that person walked away, I had someone from a different generation walk up to me and say, say, pastor, I overheard what that person said to you. And listen, pastor, if you start doing the X, Y, Z, they told you to do, I'm leaving. See, who we are is not always who people want us to be. And everybody wants something different from us. No wonder people experience an identity crisis. No wonder so many who are born an original end up dying a carbon copy. Let me give you a recipe for disaster. I'm sure you've always wanted one. (laughs) Let me give you a recipe for disaster, a recipe for frustration, a recipe for an identity crisis. Here it is. Try to please everybody. Try to please everybody. Try to live up to everybody's expectations of you. Learn to blend in instead of standing out. Do this, do this if you want to frustrate yourself. Do this if you want to guarantee yourself an identity crisis. No, instead learn from Jesus. See, he was not who people thought he was. Some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah. Somebody somebody says you're a great prophet. Jesus was not who people thought he was, and he was not not who people wanted him to be. The religious leaders had an agenda for him, but Jesus came with his father's agenda. He chose to stand out, not blend in. Aren't you thankful that he did? All right, here's my third statement I want to make this morning, and that is this. Who we are is who God created us to be. Who we are is who God created us to be. In verse 23, Jesus rebuked Peter for trying to get him off track and trying to derail his destiny. Listen to me this morning. There will always be well-meaning people who will stand in the way of your God-given destiny. A couple things I want to say here. First of all, learn to appreciate who you are. Learn to appreciate who you are. There are two things that you need to discover about yourself. Number one, who you are. And number two, who you are not. You need to know who you are, but you also need to know who you are not. Psalm 139 verse 13 and 14 says that we are fearfully and wonderfully created. It says that God made us very complex. See, we did not come off of an assembly line. We are special. We are unique. We are one of a kind. In fact, no two sets of fingerprints are alike. That ought to be a clue for us. God made us individuals. We didn't come in a 12-pack. Who we are is who God created us to be. Learn to appreciate who you are and stop wishing you were someone else. When I was in the third grade, I changed my name because I was born in 1955. And in 1955, every third boy born in America was named Michael. When I got into third grade, there were five Michaels. And so she, the teacher called one Mike, and one she called Michael, and one she called whatever, whatever, whatever she got to me. And, she, and my middle name is Don, so it's Michael Don. But she didn't call me Michael Don. She called me Mike Don. I was Mike Don. So I changed my name to Jimmy. Michael Don became Jimmy Don. (laughs) It lasted till I got out of the third grade. Amen. (laughs) Learn to appreciate who you are. Stop wishing you were somebody else. Stop coveting somebody else's life. Because I'm going to tell you something. It's not what you think it is anyway. And who knows, they just might be coveting your life. There were four kids in my family. My sister, Bobby, was the oldest. Then my brother, Bruce, was second. Four years later came my brother, Dennis. And then the fifth year after that, or the next year after that, came me. So me and my brother, Dennis, weren't even a year apart. We're like 11 and two-thirds months apart. So we were, you talk about sibling rivalry, Um, record levels. Now, what I didn't understand about the fact was I was always jealous of him because he always got to do stuff I didn't get to do. I didn't realize, hey, next year you get to do it, but he's a year ahead of you. But I never put that together. So I was always jealous because he always got to do the things that I wanted to do, and I got left out of stuff. But it really wasn't being left out; it just wasn't my time yet. But I didn't understand that as a kid, and I was jealous of my brother, just a year older than me. And I found something out just, just a few months ago, when my mom was dying. And me and my brother was sitting out on the front porch of mom and dad's house. And I found out something. I didn't know my whole, I'm 64 years old. And for 64 years, I didn't know it. We're sitting there talking. And my brother says to me, you know, I was jealous of you our whole life. What? He said, you know, I was jealous of you. Whole, whole life growing up, you're jealous of me. I, I said, I knew I was jealous of you, but you were jealous of me. He said, I sure was. I said, why are you jealous of me? He said, you got the good skin. I said, what? <laughs> you got the good skin. I said, what? You got the good olive complexion Skin that tans up really nice in the summertime. I got freckles. And I looked at you and your skin, and I looked at me and my thousands of freckles. I'm jealous. And he said, And you're better looking than me I said well I said huh he said yeah as a kid and as a teenager he said I would look at you and I say that dude's good looking and I look in the mirror and I say I'm not Stop coveting somebody's, somebody else's life. It's not what you think it is anyway. And who knows, they just might be coveting your life. See, who we are is who God created us to be, so learn to appreciate who you are. And focus on your abilities and God-given strengths. In Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, as well as other places in Scripture, it tells us that God has gifted all of us. Now, what we need to understand is that my gifts may be different than your gifts and your gifts may be different than my gifts, but all of us have gifts and we all have unique talent and ability. And these gifts and these talents were given to us by God for a specific purpose, a specific purpose. See, I personally believe that when we stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ one day, He is not going to reward us for doing good things. He's not going to reward us for doing good things. He's going to reward us for doing God things. Say, God things. See, he's not going to ask us if we did some good things with our life. He's going to ask us if we did what he placed us on planet Earth to do. He's going to ask us, did we do what he gifted us to do? Did, he do, did we do what he equipped us to do? Stop envying somebody else's gifts and talents and start focusing on your own. Your identity crisis, hear me, this is good right here. Your identity, it's all good, amen. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) my humility just leaked out, amen. Your identity crisis might have its roots in envy. Did you hear me? Your identity crisis might have its roots in envy. Here's what I know. I can be a whole lot better me than I can be an imitation of somebody else. I can't be a very good Sean. Can't be a very good Landon. Can't be a very good Chris. Can't be a very good Clay. Can't be a very good Jacob. I'd be a pretty good me. And I know that I will never tr- find true happiness, never find true satisfaction and fulfillment as long as I am envying somebody else and trying to imitate them and trying to be like them and trying to do what they do. And I sure can't please God when I'm doing this. See, see here's what we need to understand, and that is when, when, when I envy somebody else, I am actually slapping God in the face. When I'm envying another person, I'm literally slapping God in the face. I'm saying to him, God, you messed up when you created me. Why didn't you make me like so-and-so? So I could be like them, so I could do what they do, so I could have what they have. No, don't go there. Don't go there. Because who we are is who God created us to be. And the fourth statement that I have for you today is simply this, and that is, who we are can always be improved. Well, that's just me. Well, that's a good start. (laughs) But who we are can always be improved. Here's what we need to do, and that is, first of all, we need to acknowledge our weaknesses. Because no one is good at everything, but everyone is good at something. We need to soar with our strengths. We need to develop our gifts and manage our weaknesses. Maybe even get someone to manage them for you. That's what I do. I have a position right now that I wouldn't do if I didn't have somebody help manage my weaknesses. Develop your gifts, manage your weaknesses, maybe even get somebody to manage them for you. It, listen, here's what I know about teams, and that is if everyone on your team is just alike, you have chosen your team poorly. Right. Write this down this morning. Somebody needs to be the heart of the team. Somebody needs to be the heart of the team. They provide direction, somebody needs to be the head. Of the team, because they flesh out the vision of their leader. They take what's in the heart of their leader and they flesh it out. So somebody needs to be the heart of the team. Somebody needs to be the head of the team. Several someone's need to be the hands and the feet of the team because they carry the vision. Here's what I know. That is the key to a successful team is getting every player in the right position. And sometimes we have an identity crisis because we are in the wrong position. And just because it seems like, you know, the next rung on the ladder is, you know, that's just a logical thing for us. But listen, if it gets us out of position, then it's not going to work well for us. That's why we need to know who we are. That's why we need to know who we are not. So that when people try to derail our destiny and get us in a position where we are not a good fit for, we say thanks, but no thanks. It may seem like a promotion, but it's not really a promotion because it's going to get me out of position. And listen, if you take the pitcher and put him behind the backstop or behind the batter, make him the catcher, he's going to be a whole lot less effective as a catcher as he was the pitcher. You got to know who can be the pitcher and who can be the catcher. You got to know who to put on in shortstop. Just because he can catch the ball really well doesn't mean if he doesn't have the arm to make the throw to first base, he may catch the ball really well, but he doesn't have that great arm. Then put him on second base. It's not nearly as far from second to first as it is from short, deep short to first. Doing okay? An identity crisis sometimes comes because we're in the wrong position. Know who you are, but who you are can always be improved. Acknowledge your weakness and then activate a plan of self improvement. Activate a plan of self improvement. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 5 says, A wise man will listen and increase learning. They're increasing learning because they are listening. They are listening. Here's what I know, and that is we can never stop learning. And we never get to the point where we know everything we need to know, and especially in our world today, because things are changing at record speed. And because of that, yesterday's methods will not work in today's world. I could spend 30 minutes there, but I don't have the time. Activate a plan of self improvement. Our takeaway for the message today is simply this. Our uniqueness. Our uniqueness is our greatest value. Our uniqueness is our greatest value. Our uniqueness is our greatest asset. You were born and original. Do not allow anyone or anything to turn you into a carbon copy. Graduates, I hope you're listening today. I hope you're listening today. When I realized this was the day that we were going to honor graduates and I realized what the message was, I thought, wow, this could be some good, good stuff for a graduate to hear. Hear me this morning, graduates. Hear me. Don't let anyone squeeze you into their mold. Not even your mama or your daddy. I didn't say don't listen to your parents, but I'm telling you, don't let anyone squeeze you into their mold. Don't settle for somebody else's plan for you. You were born an original. Don't die a carbon copy. Father, I just pray that you'll take these words that have been shared today. And God, you knew, Lord, before these words were put together and this message was formed today, you knew those that would would need to receive uh, this word today. And I know that they are in this house and others will be in the house in the second service today. God, I pray that you will help us to receive what we need to receive. We will hear what we need to hear today. Help us, God, to realize that you have called us uniquely and equipped us uniquely. You have a plan, not just for a set amount of people's lives, but you have a plan for every single life. And you've gifted every person uniquely so that they could fulfill your plan for their life. Amen.